Hello, Aspies, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Asperger's Studios. I'm joined today with April Woodward, a female author on the spectrum. Welcome to the show, April. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get going. Uh, my name's April M. Woodard. I am a author of speculative fiction. I'm on the fourth book of writing my series, um, The Aeon Chronicles. It's the last book, so uh, it's been really hard to kind of pull everything together, but uh, we're almost there, and we as in me, um, almost there, and uh, I'm really excited to finish it. I'm almost 38. I have three kids, two boys that are on the spectrum, Mm. and a daughter that is neurotypical. So, yeah, pretty much. So what is a typical day life? So now you have two on the spectrum as well as yourself. I'm pretty sure a typical day is very hard to get your two kids along with yourself into that kind of a focus of the mindset of, okay, let's sit down and get our day planned out together. It is. It's very difficult with the two that are on the spectrum. One is, is more like me with Asperger's. My middle child is a little further on the spectrum where um, he's very emotional. So it's very hard. Uh, So, my middle child is very uh, emotional and um, he still has that childlike mentality, which I love about him. And I think I was the same Not too. So it took me a minute for myself to mature. I think I was in high school when everything finally clicked mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, this is how people behave. But um, so yeah, plan. I have to plan everything out. I actually have a planner, uh, but sometimes one of them will wake up on the wrong side of the bed and that just puts a kink in the whole day. So I really have had to train myself ever ever since, especially my middle child was like two or three, uh, to train myself to use coping and calming mechanisms for myself first and then for him. But I've figured out that if I'm calm, then he's calm. So it's just trying to work through the day a lot of the time, especially if things don't go their way or there's a change in uh, what was going to happen that day um, because my middle child does not do well with change at all. That will destroy his whole entire day, which I totally understand. And I think me being uh, on the spectrum has really helped me understand them because my parents are not. And so I was treated a little bit differently as far as um, like discipline and mm. there was no real understanding. And uh, I, I think it really helps that um, I've kind of been in their shoes, so I know. And then my husband, I've been able to explain to him, well, we can't discipline him this way or that way because it's not like our, our daughter. We can discipline her certain ways. And by discipline, I, I just mean, you know, taking certain things away. Like when he was little, he has he still has his special baby poo is what he calls him. I've never told him he can't have that stuffed animal. Uh, It's just, that would be cruel. So Mm -hmm. certain things like that, you know, he's almost 12 and you would think that a 12 year old should part with their sleeping stuffed animal, but we've never, um, we've never done that to him. So certain things like that, but yeah, typical day is, is (laughs) it just depends on what's going on, honestly. I noticed that I was uh, lacking in the maturity department as far as what everybody else my age um, was doing. 
Um, when you were I in had, school yourself, I didn't have any interest in like boys school, until what kind I of was things probably did you 16. See or notice from um, and thinking about doing anything with boys was way far from my mind. Even once I did get a boyfriend when I was in my senior year. Um, and so I was definitely uh, a late bloomer in, in those aspects mentally. Um, and also I was still big into video games. I wasn't big to going to parties not the kind of parties they were going to. Um, I wasn't into drinking or doing those things. I was, I was happy to sit at home a lot of the time and read my books or play my video games and just, uh, I don't know, be, be to myself unless I was with my friends who were several years younger than me um, and doing those things that I enjoyed doing with them. Um, so yeah, it, it, I was definitely noticing that, uh, I should be interested in certain things, but I wasn't. And I had to learn to be okay with that when I got older, which was in my 20s. Uh. Yeah, I felt that same way, too, because when I was in high school, you know, I had my own interests and my own focus and my own things. <laughs> Even in college, when I went away for college for my yeah. master's, I get this invitation to come to a party at one of my friend's dorms. <laughs> and my friends are like, why aren't you going? And I'm like, it's just not my thing. I don't drink. I don't like really, really loud noise. And I was kind of yeah. glad and I, never I knew didn't what to go because either. It's it like got I didn't broken have up by your campus the same spirit. things in common with them. They, had kids like, in the they would be talking about stuff and I'm like, that, I want none like, of that. I don't even know. And I'm, I'm not happy good to, on I was happy to be either. on my like, own, doing oh, my own how's thing the weather? I'm like, and not being I, bothered. I have no feeling about how I feel about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> it must be hard uh, well, for your husband to like kind of look uh, through traits he's as like well. looking through the window <laughs> and if seeing a whole different world looking at you and your two that kids label, which I don't his, blame him. your other um, child is like I, him so I kinda, it must be when this I tell whole people other I have Asperger's I'm like but I'm still me I'm not the label and there's people that are on the spectrum that are different all, all types of people because oh. we're all unique and we have our own personalities um, even though we have things in common but he does, he has uh, some, some OCD. Uh, he has, he has what we call anger management issues where he's very passive, passive, passive. And then he just blows up, which my middle child is very much like, but it is still hard for him because he was brought up in a way that wasn't, you know, um, he was brought up very military, um, which has been good for the boys. And then, then again, there's certain points where I'm like, uh, it's a little tough. Um, but he, he has adapted, especially with me when I say, um, like about the lights, uh, if we're in a dim room, mm. he'll warn me now when he used to just flip them on and it, like, it felt like I was getting stabbed in the eye. So I had to explain to him, warn me before you flip on the light because it really hurts. Um, but yeah, he doesn't like crowds. So we, we kind of get to stay in our own little world, staying at home, watching our TV shows or whatever. And we just really don't go out a whole lot. But um, mm. there are certain times where we do go out with friends, 
but it's friends we've been friends with for a while. So it's easy for me to really socialize and be myself around them. But, um, yeah, it, I guess it is, it was hard for him at first with the children and then getting to know me. But once he started to understand my triggers and certain things, and there's just days that I can't get out of bed, um, because I have sensory overload, it took him a minute to understand that. But once he did, he was, he was a lot better about it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, do you, as a female uh, yeah, on the well, spectrum, do you, uh, are there obstacles that you face? Because a lot of people say that I don't look autistic, and I'm like, that's an autism like have, people like saying an actual, I, I you can't be on the spectrum, you're a female, or like that, people but, just um, questioning the fact yeah, that you say you're on the spectrum, but just don't believe to, it. And like I said, I usually have to wear a mask a lot of the time with people I don't know and kind of be turned on in a, in a character, so to speak. Um, and that's really exhausting. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people definitely always are like, oh, I didn't know you were autistic or I didn't know you were on the spectrum. And a lot of people don't really understand what it even means. But yeah, I think a lot of people believe that, which I have two boys on the spectrum, but I think they believe that um, most people with autism are male. Um, But I think it's just because women are very good at, like I said, masking and, um, you know, just kind of, being agreeable that that's how, how I got through life. A lot of the time was just being a doormat and being agreeable, even when I didn't like something, because it was easier to let someone say, this is what we're going to do instead of me getting very mm-hmm. emotional about it and fighting my way through it. When I knew the end result would still be the same, which was, I don't get to choose. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it, it was a little, I think it was a little different for me and especially seeing how the boys are dealing with it. Boys, my boys are having to deal with like male peer pressure. Like one of my oldest is almost 13 and he's still into, you know, certain things that kids his age are not. And, um, I can kind of see where the peer pressure is there, like being a boy, but with the girls, I dealt my whole life with what was called mean girls. Um, and so I really didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Um, because I was not displaying what the popular girls thought was cool. And I had my own little, like, a uh, fashion aesthetic that I, that I liked that just seemed kind of odd. Um, on- online, when you go on Instagram though, it's, it's acceptable, but you know, out in the real world, uh, in certain clicks it it wasn't back in the day. So I'm really not sure. Um, Interesting. Because I, I now, think from you, researching as a female, about, what, do you view like the women differently the on the spectrum than guys uh, do, or I think do you see things differently? I think we differently? all kind of feel the same. Um, and like I said, I think everybody's on different levels of where they are on the spectrum. But I can definitely tell um, my boys think about different things and deal with different things than I do. Um, girls can be a little more emotional, but I've noticed my boys can be just as emotional. So 
I'm not really sure as, as far as that goes. Um, but girls, I I've definitely seen where I was just labeled dramatic (laughs) for getting over emotional about certain things or obsessive about things. Um, but my boys kind of display the same thing too. And I'm not sure though, if that's because we're related or not, um, might have something to do with it. I find it a right. lot easier um, now that I've recognized what do you triggers find me. Any, and so I can usually <laughs> avoid things now, that I've learned to really cope obstacles with easier um, approaching to certain situations. So autism, if, if I know we're going harder? to the mall or someone that, somewhere that's going to be very loud, like an event where I have to go somewhere that I'm not, I know I'm not going to be comfortable with, I kind of have to like build myself up before I even step out the door. Like sometimes it even takes me like really coaching myself to even get out of bed and get dressed and like actually go do it. Um, but I found it's a lot easier as adult now because now I, now that I know that I'm autistic, I can recognize, Oh, this was a trigger or, Oh, that's why I was exhausted today because of yesterday or something that I did previous. Um, when I was a kid, I just, I had no, I couldn't figure out why I felt like I was wrong. Like everything I did was wrong. And there was something wrong with me when really it was, I didn't know how to cope with what was going on around me. And, um, so yeah, I really think that, uh, the knowing part really helped. Um, I think there's still adults though that are struggling with it very, very much. So I have a friend who's an adult about my age and, and he still struggles with a lot of things. Um, but, like I said, I think it's different for everybody. And, um, but yeah. Um, I do have a, a health disability. I have um, shingles. So it's like the yeah, chicken pox um, that's dormant. And then it have any comes other out uh, brought on by stress. So that does not help with that make having autism with and then having shingles because stress, if I'm fighting it or trying to hold it in, it'll come out through my shingles sometimes. Mm. Um, so, but balancing both those out has really seemed to help. Um, so I have that that disorder and a, a immune issue. Um, but that is pretty much it. I don't really have, uh, any other factors that seem to make, um, my autism more stressful other than having to <laughs> take care of my boys and, uh, teach them how to survive in the real world. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned hyperfocus because actually that's why author. it's like the best escape now, for me because I can actually sit there for five or six hours straight and just be in that, that world. You're on the spectrum, um, now I can get over overstimulated though and overwhelmed by uh, obsessing over the book for too long, so I have to make myself take breaks. But yeah, the hyperfocus I found is like the biggest strength and the fact that I can go into this imaginary world and very visually picture everything I see um, has really made it a lot easier to write. Now, my dyslexia 
can cause problems, but that's what I have an editor for. And she knows that I have dyslexia and that I write sentences completely backwards. Um, so that's been interesting and noticing how I struggle with, um, sometimes I have bad memory days or cog fog, I call it where I just can't focus at all. Um, and so I know mm. I have to either take my supplement yeah. that I missed or I have to um, just not work on work on my books. So but I found I think it's like a superpower almost that that's kind of what what I call it with with my writing is I've got like the superpower of um, the hyper focus and my overactive imagination. So, yeah, I it a lot easier. Yep. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, one of two of the biggest traits of ASD are hyper focus and creativity, and you seem to harness those into your books. It does. It does. Yeah. Some days I'm pretty tired I mean, afterwards. For, but, a writer, uh, for someone it, who can it just seems sit down, to be one of the, the, the best coping mechanisms I think I found because as long as everyone leaves me story, alone, I mean, that takes a lot of and brain I can power. be absent from the outside world for a couple hours. It seems to help me like decompress and, um, and I can put my characters through things that, you know, I may be experiencing and then give them an alternative, like, um, reason uh, how to how to sort through how they're feeling. So if I can't sort through something in the real world, I can put my character through it, and they can sort through it and get a resolution. And then I feel good about myself again because I feel like I I did that through the character. that's right so yep. basically you that's pretty it's, cool it's really the fact that you can actually put your because you get your, to what you're trying to struggle with which you don't realize your that you're really feeling until you write it out almost like journaling that resolution but it's through a character you can take which that makes resolution it not it so in intense that you're saying yourself so but cool. someone else is going through it and you almost feel like you're being their <laughs> mentor through the experience and try to help them with the problem so then you realize oh this is you know, my problem and this is how I can kind of approach it. Cool. I mean, how did you get I your did, book done? Um, I mean, what time, obstacles did you have knowing that you were autistic? I mean, interruptions. So things that kept popping when up when you were trying to write. And I'm ready to really focus. And I know just, I have a scene that I really want to get down. Or something, if or I'm you get interrupted, I mean, did you have obstacles? That is probably the biggest obstacle because then I get cranky and then I get uh, scatterbrained. And, and if I forget a scene that I didn't get to write down, it, it just upsets me so badly. And then I have to learn to get over it. But and sometimes it comes back, sometimes it doesn't. But um, I think it's mostly interruptions. <laughs> I want to be that person that's in a cabin in the woods somewhere that just gets to write their book for a few months and then come back. But uh, that's not how it is. I have kids that I have to homeschool and um, real life as a, as a mom and wife. Um, 
one of the other obstacles was really like teaching myself how to write. I didn't go to college. I, um, I went to cosmetology school for college, but I didn't go to writing, you know, uh, English college stuff. So, um, I had to really teach myself, uh, how to actually write novels. And so that was a little bit of, um, an obstacle, but once I figured it out, cause I love being self-taught, um, I had it and I was able to run with it and, uh, I've self-taught my, myself basically everything. I don't think I learned anything in school or, um, the, the couple months of college that I did go to, um, cause I was going for a different career, but they make you take all the, the general classes before you even get to what you need. So that didn't last very long. Yeah. Um, now, writing yeah, your book. That's actually one of the things that I've been working on not OCD doing. Or um, not, but did I you find a, yourself sitting there writing? Where and then I'm like, okay, this is just thinking, drafting, oh, this which work means just write everything out and then going back and then keep correcting and going back, back like little inter. Um, like and actually, a lot of writers deal yourself. with that, which is they write a sentence or a couple sentences or a paragraph, and then they'll go back to reread it, and then they're like, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> um, so I'm I am really bad about that. Uh, but a lot of the time I'll just sit there and just write everything out, not worry about if I'm misspelling anything or, um, like what, what was the sentence, if it even went Mm. with what I wrote. And then when I go back and revise, I, that's when, yeah, the OCD kicks in really bad. And sometimes I'll sit there for a good 30 minutes on just one paragraph. And I, I like things to sound the way I want them to sound. So the OCD kicks in there. Um, I think the OCD kicks in the worst though, is when I have uneven chapters. Uh, I, I don't really necessarily like seeing 52 or, or 33. Like I want, I want a certain number, um, for it to end on. And usually in a, a number with a zero, cause all, all of them have double digits. So, uh, mm-hmm. like right now I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get this to end on a chapter 50? even when I probably have like two other chapters, I probably, so sometimes I have to get over myself on that. I'm also real OCD about my cover, uh, which drives my poor cover artists insane, but I'm like, no, I don't like this. Oh, this needs to be fixed. So, but I'm very visual. So I see little things that a reader probably won't even notice, but uh, it bothers me. Yeah. I mean, I feel that same way. My mom has pushed me to write a book about myself and all my, all the stuff I've gone through. I mean, I've traveled through Europe. I've gone to school all, all on my own and I'll sit down, start writing and I'll just sit there. No, that doesn't make sense. And I'll just grab, and I went to, and I took a writing course after I got back from school. And even the writing teacher says, your first draft should be a mess. That's, and she's like, there's a great so quote, I think it's, she said gone. that you can't get past You that. know, when your book is, gr- is going to be great is when your, fir- when your first draft is a total mess. 
when it's not that would be a, a mess, really cool story though for you to tell be good. that you it's did everything on your mess, own it's gonna be great because i always worry that about my middle child i can't even get always past. worried that is he ever going to be on get, his own i mean he's no, not severely autistic but i'm thinking how is he going to cope with the outside world and um so yeah If you ever want him to talk with somebody, I mean, someone that would be great. Really, yeah, like, we should definitely get together. Share he, what he, life he, is he's like. He's only heard from one or other you, you person want to sit about down with him and me, you, with him and you and me, and I can sit there and tell him about what I went through in school. I'll be more than happy to. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I had the opportunity to go and my mom and I just looked at my mother and I'm like, I got nothing here at the moment. Oh, man, I can imagine. I, I don't have work. All I have is my family and my mom's like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Take it. I went and I had my first actual meltdown oh, no. in the airport. <laughs> Because I was fine, fine, fine until we got up to mm -hmm. like the desk, the ticket desk. And the guy's like, only one parent's allowed to go with you to the gate. And I'm sitting there and I'm already overwhelmed because I have all this other stuff going on. My mind's thinking about what's going to happen to me at school. What's going on? How am I going to do? And I have all these other noises and I'm just worried about the plane and everything else and I just broke down in tears and my father who's always been this person who's been a realist is like I'm sitting my mom's in the um airport like little magazine shop getting a magazine for my dad and some gum and I'm and sitting there crying and I'm trying to explain to this guy I am on the spectrum. Please, can we do anything? Can you talk to your manager? He's like, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm the manager. It's just strict laws. There's nothing I can do. And finally, my mom said, let's go. And my, mom, my dad says, you'll go with your mother. I'll sit here on the other side of the glass wall. Thank God the glass wall was right by the gate. So he right. can see me waiting in line with my mom. And what happened was I'm sitting there crying, talking on the phone with my mom. My dad's sitting there telling me, you're embarrassing yourself. And he's not registering what's going on. <laughs> and then what happened was right. my mom puts a, there's a guard there and she puts a newspaper down and some gum for him and puts it around. My dad goes to bend down and pick it up and he falls on his butt. So she's laughing. I'm still crying. Thinking, yeah. Not even thinking about what happened. Getting on the plane. And then the minute I get, he gets up and things start to settle. I, the, the, mm -hmm. the flight call gets in. I stand in line and all of a sudden it's just like all the tears stop. Yeah. And the minute I get on the plane and get in my seat, get my stuff put away, it's like everything else stops. I want to say I'm like. So, and that was my huh, first I major say meltdown. I'm like a I don't know. One to ten. Ten being now, not. Back to you. Do you, how severe would you consider your ASD on the spectrum of like one to ten? Where are you?
Okay. Uh, 10 being like the I would say high I'm functioning, probably super like high functioning with no problems whatsoever. Almost I, like what I, I am at the now point. Now I'm at this point. Um, and then down to one couple, where you got severe um, sensory really issues. I was struggling with my anger. I mean, I would just blow up at like any right. little thing. Um, and then my mom was like, oh, you're so hormonal, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, there's like a lot of stuff raging inside me and I don't know the reason for it. Um, and of course, I come from a divorced family and there was a mm. lot of a lot of stuff with that in general that I know a lot of other kids on the spectrum deal with that just intensifies everything else they have to put <laughs> up with as far as emotional and, you know, the overthinking. Um, and so, yeah, what now I'm, I'm at, like, I, I still get anxiety attacks and panic attacks out of nowhere. Um, a lot of the time in my sleep and it wakes me up, but now I can actually go back to sleep and it's not so much of an issue. Um, I still don't do well with a lot of commotion going on. Um, but I've learned to just coach myself through it if I'm in a situation I don't like. Um, Mm. but yeah, I, I think I'm doing a whole lot better and it's helping me kind of show my boys of how they can, um, kind of cope and and deal with it, which a lot of it, it, it's, it stinks, but a lot of it is really just biting the bullet and just getting through the moment. And then collapsing when you get home, because <laughs> a lot of the time you're in airport situations that you just have to get through it. Um, but yeah, distraction really helps. That's why I put earphones in my ear a lot of the time and listen to music or listen to a podcast uh, when I go to the grocery yeah. store, because I can't deal with all the sounds or what mm-hmm. everybody's doing. So um Yeah. I've noticed uh, a lot of people now like that like nowadays. Not such a big you walk deal. into a I grocery mean, store really and you see a lot of kids, even adults with headphones, with headphones back on. In the day. And now um, I'm going to start thinking, gee, that person on the spectrum, are they trying to the way everything is, like, I can talk to people online. I don't have to face-to-face interact with them. Um, it seems like there, there's a lot more people on the internet, so you seem more acceptable because there's people all over the place now that you get to interact with like your tribe kind of thing. And, um, it's just easier. Like, I'm glad I'm living in this time of day and age cause I'm definitely more tech savvy and I feel like I, I do better, um, dealing with situations and people online. Like if I was to have this interview with you face to face, I would be like picking my nails to the quick. <laughs> it just, it's just a reaction where I, if I'm not, if I don't know someone very well, um, it just makes me automatically super, super nervous. And it also depends on how the person makes me feel. Um, you know, I'm more comfortable with you because you mm. already kind of understand where, where I'm coming from, but someone else, it might make me a little more uptight. So, um, but, but yeah, I think I'm coping pretty well. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why I like to at least start 
before I even hit yep. the record button. I like to warm up the guests and let them feel comfortable, let them get a feel for me, me feel for them. This way, it just becomes a more cohesive kind of chat oh, instead of just question, uh, question, question. Um, it's more my oldest, just two people who, like I said, is. Oh no, he is thirteen. Um, now, he's thirteen now. With so with you and your kids, um, on the I've spectrum, really um, seen him mature in just the past you year. You see anxieties so he, in them as well. He used to cry all the time, like about everything, which I understood because I used to cry about everything at his at his age too. Um, <laughs> but at school, they're just like, "Why is he crying so much? Why does he cry about every little thing?" And then he was getting called crybaby, and I was like, "So we worked, we worked on that." Um, when I, I homeschooled him for about a year and then I sent him or two years and then I sent him back. Um, and they said, wow, there's a huge difference. What happened? I was like, well, I think he matured one and two, you know, we've been really working on Uh, like, what do we do when something's very upsetting and we feel like we're about to explode or cry, um, because we can't control what's going on or we're really upset about it. Um, but I think for my middle child, like there's just no controlling the emotions. He's either going to blow up and scream about something or he's going to break down and cry. Um, but we, it is better. We've been working on that, but, um, it's, I've noticed it's, it's very difficult. And at first it was very difficult for me because then I would get very upset and very like having a hard time controlling my emotions, especially when I didn't have a clue that, um, we were all three autistic. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the emotional, the emotional thing has been, I think the biggest part and AKA like problem. Um, cause you can't act like that in, in, in the real world. Uh, when, when it's good to be passionate and it's good to be very, um, you know, like driven by things, but, it has to be cultivated. It has to be cultivated and then used for like, you know, my writing, like I can get very emotional about my writing and I can um, put all the emotions in my characters, but I can't act like that or act out those things in the real world. So. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen him. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I do. I myself get emotional and stupid little things like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Hamilton before the lockdown happened, but at the very end of the, you haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, my son's like that. At the end of the show, uh, I mean, when he dies, I get so emotional with that song and even stupid little things on tv things that make you sad just, movie, i just break in the like cares and i want the and i'm just like why am i always carrying my emotions on my sleeve they don't want to feel that embarrassment i've noticed that autistic people have like a lot of empathy and like people think that they're not empathetic but really it's just too much for us to handle and we feel so much i even feel stuff from people that i don't even talk to just walking by me uh, it's a very strange thing um, so just overly sensitive. And I don't think people realize that, you know, when you're overly sensitive to, to things that, I mean, it's mm-hmm. painful a lot of the time, um, in general. So I totally understand what you mean about like crying. Uh, I'm trying to think of a lay Mez, I have seen that and I actually own the movie. So I cry every single time at the end of that. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. Does it give you chill bumps? I always get chill bumps. <laughs> I mean, that final song where you know, yeah. do you remember the song when they're coming down the street in the in the funeral? The with it, um, the people will sing. I love that song, and I can listen to that song. Huh? Yeah. Do you feel do. like music? Because it's the kind um, of song that really gives helps you, you like therapeutherapeutically, or even I've like never gets seen you the full movie or the play. Like ready to do stuff. But I love that song. It's just got some kind of feel to it that just makes you want to like root for the good guy. Oh, you listen to stuff on repeat too. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, if I Me need too. to like be motivated, I will, I'll listen I will to a really good song. song or something or a song that I listen to over and over and over. Yeah. I do. I mean, if there's something I really like, I'll listen to it continuously. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been told that it is a trait of uh, autism is. Yeah. I actually talked with a mother who's got a son who's eight years old. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that either until um, I got older. But my mom and my, like, my stepdad were like, if you can quote all these Disney over movies, and over and over then surely you can it. remember your math facts. And I'm and like, I never realized that was no. a trait of autism. Like they didn't get it because the movies were making me feel something. The numbers were not making me feel anything. And like, I have to have like that. I've noticed about me an emotional connection to certain things or something, seeing something (laughs) has to make me feel something for me to be interested in it. Or I just have to be interested in it. Like, um, what is it? What was I interested in? I was into like film stuff as a kid. Like I just, I wanted to be a director. I loved watching film. I loved learning how films were made. And that was my thing. And so they said, um, oh, you should be a photographer. I was like, well, I don't really like people. And I don't like taking pictures of people. I'll take some abstract, like pictures of, of stuff or whatever. But I really, yeah, I was not going to be a photographer. And that's why I didn't do cosmetology school. Or I did cosmetology school, but that's why I didn't pursue after cosmetology school, the career, because I don't do small talk. I don't, I, I just really don't even like gossip. And that's a lot of what being a cosmetologist is, is you, you talk about gossipy stuff and, um, and I didn't like having the hair on me. The hair shavings would get everywhere and they'd get on me and it drove me absolutely mad. Um, so I didn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Gabriel, my middle child, who's, going to be 12 um he will no, hyper he used to hyper kids, focus with his legos you see any clothes, which i know is like a very them, autistic like thing they really um, love passionately but, so he would hyper focus like with that like he's really gotten to this like engineering stage where he wants to invent things so he'll sit there with cardboard and markers and cut out cardboard and make stuff and he'll sit there for a couple hours and be completely content with doing that and he does not like to be interrupted just like I don't like to be interrupted and do not touch his stuff while he's doing it because then there's a really big problem or destroy it or mess it up mess up a little teeny thing on it when he's done with it it'll be the end of the world and he was like that with his legos if someone would come and like mess with his creation after he did it he would just it was it that was over 
um, and the rest of the day would be ruined. Um, with my oldest, my 13 year old, he's really into like, um, goosebumps books and horror stuff and video games, of course. But so he, he loves like five nights at Freddy's is really popular right now, (laughs) but he's big into like lore, like learning about like, um, monster lore. And so he'll sit there for hours and read books about monster lore. And that's his thing. Besides my writing, um, I still love video games. I just don't have time to really um, play them and reading. And so those are like two escapes. And what about you? Besides um, your writing, do you have another super focus? Some days I'll just get in my planner. And because it makes me feel better that I'm planning stuff out, even though I probably don't eat like a lot of the time follow through with the stuff I put in my planner, but just sitting there with my planner and writing out everything and putting stickers in my planner and stuff like that. um, I could sit there for hours and do that. I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I've been told I'm a control freak. I'm not mm. big on spontaneity. <laughs> no, that's a really good. Se- no, that's a really good segue because oh, awesome. you like planning okay. things. And I'm pretty sure your kids do too, right? Like planning out stuff. Well, well, there is a really good app that will be sponsoring me next year called Timo, T-I-I-M-O, and they're, they are a visual oh planner, a visual calendar for those of us who are on the spectrum and have ADHD, that you, it's a subscription base and it's very affordable. The cheapest price for, per month is like a dollar. But it's oh, wow. you plan it yeah, out on your computer, so and then you because I use Google Calendar, but I also have like actual like and planner because I like watch. using my markers and, and it's stuff. All visual, because uh, I like and the you colors. Can create routines but yeah, that would be really, so really cool. I'm sure that would help. We haven't gotten the great. voice phones yet, but I, you know, they probably need something that's just like a constant reminder. Like I thought about getting them like some kind of watch or something. Um, that was my biggest issue too. Was like. Um, a time knowing uh mm. knowing when certain times are up what is that called time management <laughs> i have the worst with time management i'm better now but i have to like I, you heard my alarm i have to constantly set timers and reminders and write stuff down in different places and i use sticky notes um but yeah that app would be amazing time management yes yeah yeah exactly hey <laughs> or if you yeah oh that is so true i mean i thought it was just like a writer thing because there's a lot of, of writers and then today you they'll totally sit there for hours eat, and they'll be immersed the in their story but uh, so and, and then maybe a lot of those writers are also sick too and they just hey, don't know it um drink, yeah i've eat, noticed if i don't remind myself to eat or drink it will i will skip meals it's pretty bad
I mean, the app has been really good yeah, for me. I mean, I, used I guess to we need those reminders. To brush I'm wondering if it's because we have and so many other I've things on our mind app, all the time. Like even when I, I first wake up, there is no teeth, shutting my brain shower, off. It's just already dressed, automatically processing everything. And it's been wonders for me. <laughs> it does, it is booting up, but it boots up at like extreme speeds. I'm a lot. Uh, I still do. I'm a lot yes. better now, but um, when I was a kid, it was awful. I'd have very, very vivid dreams mm. almost all the time. Um, Speaking of sleep, and, uh, how are you with sleep? I would wake up with a panic attacks issues? quite often. So I didn't sleep as good as a kid, but as I got older, I started, well, and I was also medicated um, a lot of my life. I have no problem with people getting help with medication for depression or anxiety, but I myself do, do not do well with any kind of medication whatsoever. That's why I take my supplements. Um, and I feel like I can kind of gauge a little better with that. Um, but I, I think that kind of messed with me too, with my sleep that uh, the medication, the antidepressants that I was on. Um, but no, now I sleep, I sleep fairly well. Sometimes dreams will wake me up, but I've, like I said, and anxiety attacks or panic attacks, but I've noticed I can go back to sleep a lot easier. Um, my boys, Lucian, my oldest, used to have night terrors. And he would wake up screaming. Um, I'm glad he grew out of that. But I think that was part of his autism. Um, but he would, and he would sleepwalk. So uh, that was scary when we had to deal with that. Because I'd be oh. sleeping and I'd hear a scream. Mom, mom. Um, Gabriel never experienced that. <laughs> Gabriel sleeps great unless he's had a bad dream, but he sleeps like a lot and he'll go right to sleep. Um, I have a very hard time falling asleep. Um, so that's my only problem with sleeping is I, it takes me, unless I'm exhausted, it takes me forever to fall asleep because my brain won't shut off. Mm. So unless I take like a, some valerian root or something to help me kind of get a little sleepy, um, it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have some really good luck well, with that. Um, my, I think my mom takes well, it. I can her, say she has anxiety. Thing, I have she also has sleeping lupus, like but, crazy. Um, I mean, this has been going on. Yeah, we going actually were taking young. some. It just but makes me too, drow- to help too drowsy. Me I mean, it is good. I just don't like the way it makes me feel. But people have had. Yeah, I don't like melatonin either. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't like that drowsy feeling. <laughs> Sort of like yeah. melatonin. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I don't, now Gabriel will take melatonin. I, he doesn't seem no, to have I a don't. problem with it. My, He's my, having both a really, my mother really hard time and I will sleep. not take melatonin um, because. So actually, no, he does have a hard time going when to you sleep. Wake up once he falls asleep, and he's great. you are um, like out of it still. But yeah. CBD, um, I've heard it, it does a lot for a lot of people on the spectrum. Um, even with like speech therapy and um, things of that nature. We, I actually had Gabriel taking some of it and it, seemed to calm him down quite a bit, but, um, it was just really expensive. And I don't know if in our state it's been legalized for medical to buy it medically. I, I know it's just really expensive. I don't know if insurance allows it yet. 
Yeah, CBD. So I don't know if my state allows it as like a medical, a, a medicine. I am. So maybe they passed it already. I'm not sure. No, I know. It's a different strain. CBD? You're in Georgia, right? The CBD isn't yeah, well, like uh, marijuana. Yeah, it's legal so, everywhere, but I mean, so like weird. insurance companies that's covering it. That's the weird that certain yeah, states very expensive. see it differently. So it's legal. I mean, considering there's no THC in it, it should st- it's legal. I found it to be legal everywhere. Yeah, the tincture. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I spend about. Yeah, I spend about $53 every six weeks for two bottles of the tincture. And then I also have, I buy, for my mother and I, I buy a roll-on. And for me, I buy the balm. And between about the balm and the tincture, it not, it get, it, plus the fact I'm on Adderall, so the yeah. cool down, does Adderall hit that seem cool to help you? Because that was something night, they didn't do for me. They just put me on it, antidepressants. It hits me like a brick. Um, and I'm almost Otherwise, wondering if it, it would have helped. If I try to take one or the other, I'm almost it's almost working opposite. It's keeping me up all night. My Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny about me and medicine is it depend. My body works strangely yeah. with certain medicines. I mean, I originally was on Silert back in the day when I was younger, and then they took me off as I got older because they had problems with liver. And then they tried to put me on Stratera, and it just made me feel out of it totally. So I took myself off of that, and I've been off of it until recently when I started seeing a therapist, and he's like. And he specializes with people with autism because I actually went, I, I, through Facebook, I found this research going on uh, statewide for autism. This new drug, this company that was putting out, it was supposed to help with communications. And I went on it. Oh, and no. This drug worked like a champ for me. All of a sudden, I felt my filter. I was starting to build a filter. I was thinking. I was more proactive. And then the company decided they weren't getting the numbers and they just canceled the whole thing. So the therapist that was part of the program, I be, we became friendly with. And I said, you know, I would like to talk to you and see you and see what we can do. So yeah, we sat down and talked over the phone. And he's like, I want to put you on Adderall. To help with your concentration. Just a little tiny bit to help you. He put me on five milligrams, and just the whole five milligrams made me feel kind of spacey. That's what I was wondering too. If they had not put me on such like high doses of of stuff, like back in the day, I probably would have been over the hump too. To get over that hump, and that lasts four to six, about six hours. Oh. I mean, Yeah, but the funny thing was, when I first started on the medicine, I had the stomach flu. And I kept thinking, and we didn't know this at the time until we 
I just couldn't hold anything down. And my mom's like, maybe that's why your pulse is high. Your heart's racing fast. You're feeling totally <laughs> out of it. Maybe those are that's all signs. That's another thing. It's like we overthink, like, what is it going to do? But I still yeah. felt totally that's, that's out of it That's why with my supplements, like, it. I even have so to be careful about the dosages back of my supplements. My doctor's like, read. Um, I want you to take like half, especially the stop like thinking the about the and stuff like that because sometimes I just it makes me feel worse than I would have if I yes. hadn't take it. But um, I've really noticed, like especially since I have an immune disorder, that I have to take like my lysine and um, like uh, my sunflower oil and. Um, but what what do I take? I take something for a mood booster, um, and I can't even remember what it's got in it that helps so much, but. It just takes off that irritable edge where I just wake up that way sometimes. Like, I'm just irritable. Um, coffee helps, too. <laughs> that is a drug. Mm. <laughs> but anyways... Um, when you look at your so kids, how, really you, how do you and your kids, because uh, I, mean, I was like, now I don't have to go anywhere spectrum. and do how anything. How are you guys handling my the whole son lockdown was, and uh, My middle son was very upset because here's a big change. Well, or are you struggling now, with it? I was very stressed out when the food started getting shortaged. That was my own, because I was like, now I don't know what to fix for dinner. Now, like my whole schedule is messed up as far as like, when do I go to the store? Now I have to go to more than one store. And... I don't mm -hmm. know where anything is. And then, so it was very stressful at times in the very beginning because there was a huge change. And like I said, my middle son did not handle it well. Um, and then the kids had to come home from school. So then I had all the kids with me and I'm used to only having the one, which is my middle child. And him and I get along really, really well because we both like our quiet time and we both like to be left alone to do what we want to do. So we just kind of do our own thing a lot of the time and the house is nice and quiet. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not easy at first. And we, um, we all don't like the masks. I feel like I can't breathe. And then again, I feel like it's a security blanket, but it's very hard to breathe. Um, and I wear glasses a lot of times, so my glasses always get fogged up. But it was a difficult adjustment. Um, I think now it's a little bit easier now because here in Georgia, it's, you know, we can go and do things and still have to wear a mask a lot of places, but mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not as um, strict as it was. Uh, I'm not right. exactly sure. No, um, back to you. Um, what are your biggest struggles as a female being I, on the like spectrum? I said, I mean, I'm really good at masking more or uh, less in certain situations. So, as opposed to um, female? I'm really great at getting into character. I was told, oh, you could be an actress, but I really, I was like, yeah, I'd end up being a method actor. Um, cause I get too much into the part, <laughs> but, um, I'm not exactly sure because I think me and my boys and even my husband, like I've noticed that we deal with similar things, but I don't know if like the <laughs> testosterone does something different to, to males. Um, and maybe like, I think maybe that's why 
maybe Gabriel, my middle child lashes out more. But then again, when I was younger, I lashed out too. Like if I like, it would just automatically like something struck me and triggered me. I'd go ballistic. So, um, I don't know. I, ha I haven't really seen any more struggles for females than there are for males. Um, and I think it's really hard to even get that data for females because we're so good at hiding behind our, our mask or our character. So we just always have that mask on. Um, and we never really show how we truly feel all the time because we're, there's a lot of peer pressure, especially with women, you know, uh, to, to be a certain way and to act a certain way. I do. It depends on where I'm at and who I'm talking to, but, um, certain times, I, like I said, I really have to build myself right. up. And um, it hard a lot of people, I don't think, notice you probably already no noticed that I don't look <laughs> eye to eye a lot of the time because I'm thinking about what I want to say, even while I'm saying it. And um, so certain social situations are okay because uh, some people don't pick me apart and notice the little things that I do. But I've noticed myself in several situations where I just say the wrong thing or my mind gets stumbled and I say something I didn't mean to say, or I don't even know. And sometimes I hear things that people say that they didn't really say. Um, and I get words jumbled. Um, so it can be very difficult for me to socialize, especially if I've already been overstimulated. Cause then I'm just like, it's even hard for me to talk and I'll start, um, talking strange, um, fumbling over my words and things like that. But, uh, yeah, if I'm with my friends that I've known for a while, I could sit there and, you know, even have a drink with them and just chill and laugh and whatever. But then I have a certain time where when I'm done, I'm done and I don't want to be messed with. So like if we're at a party or something, when I'm ready to go home, I'm ready to go home. I'm done with the music. I'm done with everybody talking around me. Um, so yeah, I have my, my points. And so a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, why doesn't April want to come out or, Oh, why is it, you know, why does April want to leave the party early? It's just, I've had enough. So, um, that's been really hard socially mm -hmm. is that a lot of friends don't understand. Sometimes there's just days where I can't go out because I was overstimulated from the previous day, or maybe something happened that I'm just not dealing with well, or I didn't sleep well. Or um, I just might be ready to go home. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I had any sleepovers as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that issue too, where I'll be. My sister-in-law's got a huge family, and every year we go to her cousins for think her mother's for Thanksgiving, her cousins for Easter, and it's always a lot of people. And I've found myself after a while just trying to find that quiet spot. Yeah, whether it's going downstairs into their basement where there's just a few people talking, and just sitting down on the couch and just laying my mind quiet down 
or to the point where I'm just looking to my mother and saying, I'm tired. Can we go? And my mom will take that cue and say, okay, yeah, I think it's time now. Yeah. And we'll pick up and go. I mean, sometimes. Now. Well, I mean, it depends. Of like I said, it really depends thing on, on the thing. situation. Have you a found lot of the time I have to, to really watch people engage. No filter. How to approach people. Because I'm very good at being a, a chameleon where I'm very adaptable. So say someone's a little more talkative or a little more like fun loving or charismatic, I don't know, then I might be able to be a little more of myself with them. Cause I'm very fun a lot of the time. <laughs> if I'm with someone that's more serious and is sparse with words, I get very uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? You know? Um, but with the filter and not, not having one, um, I've actually always been really good at not really saying how I feel. Now, when I was younger, it was probably an issue. But I think the older I got, I really learned mm -hmm. how you just don't say what you're thinking out loud, which my middle child always says what he's thinking out loud. But I i don't think I've been like that. Maybe that's a female versus male thing. I don't know. And my husband's very blunt, too. I mean, he'll just tell me, he's like, you look terrible today. <laughs> Or I don't like what you're wearing because it makes you look frumpy or something. I don't know. Like, uh, he, ha and, mm. <laughs> and if he doesn't like somebody and my middle child's the same way, yeah, he'll tell him right away that like, I have nothing to say to you or he'll walk away from a conversation. If he doesn't like somebody, um, he doesn't, they don't socialize with people they don't like. So, um, which me, I'm more like, I don't like the situation I'm in. I don't really care for this person, but I don't want to cause confrontation. So that might, I don't know if that's a male versus female thing or not. Are you okay? No, but um, I mean, I know with me, I'm very confrontational. I mean, I oh my one of my friends will tell you, I'll get in your. I used to volunteer at the Field Museum here in Chicago, and I got pulled over. I got pulled to the side one day by my supervisor, and he's like, "Some of the volunteers are coming to me saying that you're standing too close to them," and I go, "Why didn't they just tell me?" And she's like, nobody yeah. likes confrontation. And I'm thinking in my head, really? They don't like confrontation. How is that confrontation? It's called politeness. I'm not confronting them. I'm not going to sit there and snap at them. But still, tell me. But I'm very confrontational. If I don't feel, if I feel so strongly about something, I will literally, and it's come out in Facebook a lot. Especially with what's going on with the politics. Well, and that's because you're very passionate about what you're talking about, though. I'll literally I, I've noticed rip that, like, pieces. when I'm passionate about certain stuff, and like, I don't that's care what, what the sets me off. Like, are. if I and feel I've strongly, been, I can tell you, you're going to know been how I feel. Um, seven different times. But in certain situations, I'm not like that. Both because my boys are are very, yeah, comp you would say confrontational. <laughs> but yes, passionate. Mm -hmm. passionate <laughs> I mean even in families 
even in family situations, my mouth has gotten me in trouble. Mm-hmm. I have That's said something to somebody. It'll go and back it and gets forth. back to my parents, and then, and then they get back to me and they scream and yell. And just can't and then anymore. I go into and it's usually my shell, me and I just don't say a word while um, they're saying while they're yelling like me at me. And my and husband, we don't terrible. argue. We don't really argue. We have disagreements. <laughs> but if I'm very passionate about something, especially when it has to do with the kids, like I, I will stand my ground, and he stands his ground too, though. So it's like someone has to fold. Um, so I've been learning a lot of the time I have to be the one to fold and I've become the peacemaker because I'm always trying to calm everything down between the three boys <laughs> and my daughter, bless her heart. She's been like the caregiver to everybody because mommy has bad days. And then poor Gabriel, our middle child has bad days. And then Lucian will have a bad day. My oldest. And then sometimes daddy comes home in a really bad mood because of work. So she's been like the little peacemaker. <laughs> I'm like, I always wonder, I'm like, what's it like for someone that's neurotypical that has to deal with this kind of family? (laughs) I don't know. She seems fine with it. She seems very happy. Um, And she just thrives in school. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could (laughs) have been just thriving like she is. Like, she has friends. She does all her schoolwork with no problems. She just, it's easy, you know? It seems easy for her. And it seems like when people like complain about their kids, oh, you have phone call now. <laughs> Do you need to get that? Okay. Um, it seems like to me when parents are like complaining and I'm like, but your kids are yeah. not on the spectrum. I'm like, oh my goodness, the laziness of a lot of parents. It just really drives me crazy because I'm like, I have to sit here like every single day, like, no. There's usually a meltdown or usually something that happens. And so there's always like some kind of turmoil. And I'm like, it must be nice, like to be getting on your kids for, you know, leaving their shoes at, in, like in the living room. or I don't even know. Silly stuff. I'm like, oh, it's so stressful <laughs> that your kids are making a mess. Yeah. Have you thought about like, do your kids uh, and yeah, you they, have they like what you call quiet time? Usually, like you come back from like, like I a said, busy I do the time, thing. So and you're just overstimulated. I've had to and you're like, start doing that. You go so right to your place of quietness. It doesn't appear like, like I'm don't the mommy that likes like 10, to be left alone a lot of the time. Down. Um, so I've had to figure out ways of where it seems like I'm still there, but I'm not which is hard, but, um, yeah, we never really did the whole, we need quiet time. Um, but we did, well, I guess we did, I guess we called it nap time. (laughs) So we had nap time when they were so little because I needed quiet time and they needed their, their nap time. Um, so even if they didn't take a nap though, everybody would have to be absolutely quiet. And all my kids are very close in age. So, um, it was it was easier, I think, because everybody had to take a nap. So even I took a nap at times. <laughs> but no, I wish we still had quiet time. No, I've really just had to figure out ways to, um, like, I guess in a hidden way, because uh, I don't want my kids to um, feel <laughs> like I'm ignoring them when I really I'm not trying to ignore them. I just need time to myself to regroup. Um, 
but I found that there's other parents that struggle with um, their autism or depression even where they're like, they just need that time to themselves. But I don't want my kids to feel alienated from me because of that. Because we have a very strong bond. We're very, very close. Um, And I think even with, especially with me and the boys being autistic and the fact that I understand them, like has brought us very close. But even my daughter, like we're all very close. So um, I I think I just, I would feel guilty if they thought I was ignoring them, you know, Um, even though adults do need their own time. Um, But me and my husband always have our time together alone at night when um, they're watching the bed, their bedtime movie is what we call it, um, where they get to watch a movie before their time to go to sleep. So, um, yeah. I, don't, mm-hmm. I think I went off on tangent there. I'm not sure exactly what the question was. Now, quiet time. We, uh, yeah, we don't do quiet time anymore. It, it's a good idea, though. Maybe I should implement that. We are big about schedules. Um, we definitely like our schedules, which our schedules sometimes get messed up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know what my middle child question. Gabriel would say. Do you? I think consider, he really would want to be kids, like everybody else. Now but that I think that's just ASD, because consider your we haven't really found what Gabriel is, excels at. So I think once we figure out like career wise or what he would really like to do. Um, I think he would, cause if he could use his autism, kind of like I'm able to use mine, I think he would think it was the coolest thing ever. But right now I think it's very upsetting to him cause he, he gets upset about stuff he can't control. He doesn't do well with making friends and he just feels different. So I think he would probably say it feels like a curse. Um, my oldest would probably say he's indifferent. Either way, he doesn't really care because he doesn't even really think about his ASD very much. Um, And me, I think it is a blessing and a curse. (laughs) I'm going to say both. Just because I would love to have all the things that I feel like are gifts, like my overactive imagination and being able to hyper-focus and even the empathy, even though it can be very painful sometimes. But with the anxiety attacks and just the cough fog a lot of the days and... uh, getting overwhelmed by too much going on is definitely a curse because then I can't move forward and do things that I, I have to do. Um, I'm also terrified of heights. I don't know if that was something that happened when I was younger that was, that was happened trauma wise or, or what, but, um, it's kind of like that. I can't go and do things like get on big slides with the kids because of my, um, my fear of heights. Um, it's it just mm. takes a lot of fun out i'll just say uh having asd but there are a lot of things that i think are definitely gifts and that i'm proud of because i can do some things that other people can't do because they're not autistic Yeah, I mean, I know your sense of fear. I mean, like when I was traveling, I went, um, 
Wait, where was I? Oh, I went. I was in Greece, and I went to. I was in Athens, and I went up the Acropolis. And <laughs> as I got yeah. to the top, I paid my money, and I went to where all the the remains were. All of a sudden, as you hit this little plateau, you look out over to the city, and all of a sudden, I just felt I felt my knees buckle. I'm like, I'm that high up. Cause you don't realize you're that high up because you're walking up this like little zigzag streets of with like with little restaurants and stuff really on the high. side. And you don't need, you realize this until you get to that tiny little plateau before you go up to the top. And as I hit that plateau, I look out and I see oh my gosh, no. all these buildings and I realize, holy crap, I'm this uh-huh. high up. My knees started shaking. I'm like, okay, you're up here. You got to keep going. I get up to the top. I pay yeah. my money and I go and I'm looking around. All of a sudden I see a guy slip and fall. It, and I'm thinking, this is marble floor. This is all marble here. And I'm thinking, I'm by myself. If I slip, who's going to come to rescue me? I'm not with a group. So I literally walk as much as I can around to get as much as I can see, turn around, head back down. I mean, even things like... um. We have family okay. in Colorado and my uncle wanted to take me hiking with him. Yeah. We're 5,000 feet up in the mountain and he's like, oh, this is beautiful view. Come look. Me too. Um, and I'm sitting there hugging the mountain. You put me somewhere that doesn't have I'm parameters. Like, no, thank you. Well, even sometimes when there's I don't a fence or parameters, like even at the mall, if I'm on that second floor up top, so yeah, my, I can't I feel look over there. I can I, look. It drives me nuts. Way. I mean, I can fly in a plane There's with no problem. There, but but I can't look over it. There's like a certain point where, where my there. body just starts freaking out. And it's like, oh no. Even even if I have my eyes closed, like my body knows we're not safe. This is not good. Um, I can't even watch like certain movies. Like, uh, was it Skyscraper <laughs> with um, The Rock? I'm like, oh gosh, when he looks down, I'm like, no, 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 I can't do it. <laughs> it's awful. But yeah, mm. uh, Gabriel, my middle child, has a ton of fears, though. It, it seems like like that's where the overthinking, I think, takes over. Is like, but this could happen. And what if this happens? And what if this? And then what if that happens because this happened? And it's like a <laughs> snowball effect with him. And so we've been working on that. I'm like, we just got to get that initial thought where it's like, we're not going to let that go and like just take over and snowball. We oh, need yeah, to just like, yeah. okay, yeah, that one thing could happen. But what if? It didn't happen. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to kind of teach him how to be like, but the, but it's like, what if, but (laughs) so it's been, it's been really hard. I've had to teach myself that too. It's like a constant, like mental thing with me is especially (laughs) when I'm in an uncomfortable situation, I have to like mentally. So even somebody might be talking and I might be mentally like, okay, okay, okay. We're good. We're good. Um, And that really stinks, but it's just, it's yeah. part of it, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I, my parents or my mother, because my father passed away in 2017, could tell you I overthink constantly. And I used to, like for interviews, I used to think, what if they're worse? What if they don't want oh, me? Yeah. Or what if this I happens? What if that happens? That. What if this 
goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? Like that's one of my filter and issues. And I wind up walking into is, an interview, and okay, I just wind up rambling on and on. And my like, kids keep calling me. It's like I don't have a gauge don't of what's overshare. shareable and not. I'm I'm better now, but when I was a kid, I'm, I'm like, like what's wrong with what that. I said? Like my mom would get so mad at me because I'd say things about her. <laughs> Oh, she used to get so mad. She's like, those are private things that we talk about at our house. I'm like, well, don't tell me about it if it's a secret. <laughs> I don't know how not to share things. Um, so that oh. everybody should have known that about me when I was little. Like, don't tell April a secret because she doesn't know how to keep a secret. I really don't know. Don't tell, don't tell me Christmas presents or anything. I don't know how to not be completely honest. <laughs> Yeah, I was. That I didn't know about autism was we tend to overshare. I was talking with a girl a long time back in one of the Facebook groups and she's like, she can't hold a job because females tend to overshare more than the males yeah. do and she tends to talk too much and i'm like oh i didn't know that and i tend to overshare right. i mean there were and things my parents would sit down and like, tell me now you do not, <laughs> this does not leave the house and it's like my brother to this day is like there aren't things i can't tell you because i know you're going to wind up telling my telling mom No. And it does come out. I mean, I've tended to overshare or even overthink things and it's ruined interviews. I I get really bad about rambling sometimes to where a lot of the time actually only answer what you asked. I'll walk into an interview and they'll just go, and I'll sit there and go, blah, 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 blah. And I wonder why I never hear from them. Yeah, I mean, for me, I really need yeah. to quiet my head That's what my, my mind brain does on at too. night because a lot of the time, I'll if I can think about talk a certain thing, like that's why I like writing my book because I can a lot of the time lay there going and, and going think and about going certain and scenes that I want to why can't I through. sleep? So that actually is very helpful because I'm working while I'm trying to sleep or go to sleep, but. <laughs> But I used to sit there and like over worry about my, the day, like the next day, like all the stuff I had to do or, you know, all the things that I had to do the following week or whatever. Or, um, so I, I found a way to like not <laughs> overthink things. I don't need to be overthinking, especially things I can't control. Um, but like I said, that's another reason that I really find, uh, writing therapeutic is cause I can actually, work through certain stuff that I, um, I'm working on, but yeah, everything else is overthought. (laughs) It's, it's so great. Um, it's, it's definitely not for everybody. Like my, my uh, middle child doesn't like to write and his writing, like Mm -hmm. my writing's really bad too. That's why I love that I write on a keyboard and that was something I actually hyper focused on in school that I was really, really good at was typing and I was super fast. There's only one other guy that was faster than me and he was from China and he was like 
I think he was visiting from China. And I was like, um, how's this fair? <laughs> he was fast. Um, so, yeah, I, I really... I can't really, t- my thumbs don't, and I don't do well with speech to text. So I, sometimes I get my words mixed up. There, I mean, there are people that can text fast too, so. Yeah. Yep. That's a big thing with us too. We, I mean, there are so many traits with autism that you don't realize they're traits until you start <laughs> thinking about it. I'm horrible. And then there's those disabilities that go along with it. But okay. one of the things that aggravates me and my friends are, there are those people that think, oh, you're autistic. You must be great with math. There aren't. A lot of us aren't great with math. Those are those, and so am I, and so is he. I mean, there are those who are true autistics who have no other disability. That are like, like, give me, give me an example. Extraordinary with math. I fumbled my way through math. Not programming. In logic, no. I mean, how I do you can, now? I can do logic. like computer graphics stuff. If I'm really good at taking copies and recreating copies. <laughs> Do you With understand computer programming details? Like, and not an exact copy, um, but I'm really good at like making something very similar because I'm visual. How are you? Oh, that's good. Me too. No, I mean, I have no, my biggest no flaw sense of direction was, over here either. And my parents can contest to this. Is I have trouble with understanding distance, like how long it will actually take to get to some place. My mom's like, <laughs> I can tell you a story where I've literally one time I was supposed to meet my friends downtown. Is it is it because you're good with I know like um, downtown like the back of my hand? It like was visual, a foggy like day. seeing like certain I got signs or buildings. So far or... around, I wound up walking yeah. instead of to the north to the south, and I'm like, oh my god, I walked totally it's, the opposite direction. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I, visual visualization is one thing I'm good at, but when that visualization gets clouded, I'm in the I'm in a haze. I'm like, okay, I'm lost. I was in Italy and I was trying to memorize street signs, like buildings, and all this, and then no fog or anything. I just turned around after I got done eating, and I'm like, oh great, I've walked all this distance now. I can't figure out how to get back to my hotel. I literally had to walk into, yeah, I literally had to walk into several different places until I wound up walking into a police station within the train station and find, and the well, one person that spoke helped. English you, was busy. Do you ever feel so like panicked automatically when you are window. lost or like speak you don't English. know where you're, I just you're at him the or map how to and get I said, is this the road to back to this yeah. hotel? That's, and he's like, yeah. It's like one of my biggest things. And that's one of the biggest things with my middle child is he just panics. Like it's an automatic like panic. And then you have to calm yourself down. But like he'll panic and then he'll just keep panicking and then it gets worse. 
So we've been working on how not yes. to panic. <laughs> yes. I my um well being advisor taught me that she told me before I went, she's like, listen, try not to panic because if you panic, you're gonna get yourself even more confused. Try to calm yourself down and think about the situation and what to do. And that's what I had to do because when I got lost, I'm like I just started looking everywhere and my mind just started spinning. I'm like, and it started getting later and later and yeah. later. And I'm like, great. I'm going to be lost in the city in the middle of the night. There's no way to get back to my hotel. And that's when I had to realize I needed to calm down and start acting like an adult <laughs> and ask for help. I'm like, otherwise I'm going to be stuck here. And it didn't help matter that I had my brother and my mother constantly telling me. That's what actually left, happened to me when I went to Czech Republic. I, my passport was nabbed out of my backpack. I'm like, there's no one that's going to steal Yeah, it. that was fun and trying to get the back to the States. Me the same our, thing. our plane Make was sure you keep your passport on you. We got so pickpocketers out here. It was here. good that we had a friend over there. So it, it worked out. But yeah, that was very stressful. <laughs> I... About what? Sia? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know there was one made. Yeah. And the last question, what are your thoughts about Sia and her movie? Sia and that movie that you made about autism. All right. She made yeah, a movie well, about I mean, autism. And she didn't even That's use kind a of insensitive for her to do. I mean, and you would think that she would use. She used now, a I don't know if she did her research. And there's a lot of controversy about unless it. Unless you're autistic, people um, on the scale are like, really I, I don't upset. really think. Like, what, what did she have a point of why she was making it? Oh, well, I mean, if I guess if they're making a movie and they want to say, I don't remember what, I don't remember what the movie sure was about. There would be someone though that would, like, was, I don't know. I don't really know how that works with the whole movie used, ha- industry and one of her best friends. that side of entertainment business. Um, but yeah, I don't have any feelings about that. Now, like say if, if we were represented badly, it would not make me happy. Um, but there's a lot of movies and shows. I think I was just talking about that today. Um, the show Hannibal on Netflix, the main character is, has Asperger's. Um, so that was like one of the first things that was brought up. Um, and I think there's a lot of movies and shows that use how our imagination works or whatever, or certain ticks, I guess they call uh, that we have. Um, like ways to make an interesting character a lot of the time. I don't know. Maybe autistic people are fascinating. I'm not I'm not exactly sure why they're starting to do that a lot more. I would think they would do it to try to get more awareness of showing how we're all different and then there are points and times where we all seem like just regular people without ASD, but 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why that's become a thing recently. Um, but when people think autistics, they automatically do think Rain Man or, you know, like other or, uh, or Forrest Gump. But I don't know. I really figured figured it out. What was that movie that we watched? Yeah. I don't know if atypical. There was one we watched about uh, a guy that's a little further on the spectrum. Have you and your um, kids watched like atypical or love on the spectrum? And he's grown and it was kind of like a story along how he's getting on his own. Um, I don't know which movie that was. That was a long time ago. I want to say it was like a year or two ago that I saw that. I haven't watched a whole lot of movies. There is one that the accountant, I did watch that one. And that is with a guy who's an assassin basically. Mm-hmm. And Scott, um, who's that actor? No, the other guy, um, Ben Affleck. I actually really liked that movie. It's like actually one of my favorite movies. And I, I thought they did really, really well. But then again, I I mean, and they said they did Red the Damon? research for that one too, but they were kind of representing and showing that like, we're not people on the spectrum are not like useless or dumb or anything like that. It was showing that like, this guy is like an assassin, awesome dude. And he's autistic. And then they had a girl in there that was a computer whiz, but she, um, she, she didn't speak, uh, but she was on the spectrum as well. And she was like his, um, like his, I don't know, the person that calls and tells you where to go and assassin who you need us. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was a good movie, but I haven't really seen a lot of movies about like documentaries, I guess you could say. Um, I've watched a lot of speakers like Ted talks and, um, Tony Atwood, of course, I've watched a lot of his stuff. Other than that, I haven't really seen um, very many movies. So, yeah, now I'm curious about Sia's movie, and I feel like I need to go watch it just to see, (laughs) just to pick it apart. (laughs) Ghost with Doggy with you, Reed. That would be great. Thank you. Good talking with you. Thanks for having me. Bye.
You can't. 